Today, we have breaches, lockbit, and cyber insurance on the Cyber Security Podcast. It's the Cyber Security Podcast with a little extra BS. I'm Andrew Nuxel. And I'm Nathaniel Vick. And today, we're going to talk about lockbit to start off with. There's a lot of lockbit breaches going on. One of the ones we wanted to focus on today was the Boeing breach that just happened. It was caused by lockbit. So I'll focus again on some of these government industries. Um, Boeing makes a lot for the defense industry. And obviously airplanes as well. So lockbit continues to be a major disruptive malware out there. Yeah. And I, it definitely demonstrates what a focus, uh, as you said, government contracts, uh, anything with trade secrets, et cetera. There are a lot of, of states, nation states, uh, you know, countries with cybersecurity or you know, cyber attack programs and, Trade secrets, especially around anything with technology or, or defense, are huge targets. So uh, not surprising. I knew that we've heard and talked about some other recent breaches where you know, not necessarily a whole organization was hacked. In the case of CDW, they really focused and, and honed in on some of their defense contracting or, or their uh, the part of the market that, that focuses on government. So... A huge, huge target in that regard, and uh, we're going to see more of it. Definitely. Seems like it's targeting a lot more and more. The nation states are a huge threat actor out there, and Lockbit is definitely one of the pieces of which yeah. software they're using. Yeah, it's so easy to weaponize that. There, you don't have to be an expert to be, an ha- be a hacker now. It's not like the movies in you know the late 90s where you had to have special equipment and only the nerdiest of the nerds could write code or or figure out how to weaponize something. Now on the dark web, so many of these packages are just readily available. Someone that has a a fundamental understanding of, of networking or, or cybersecurity in general can go out, they can tailor these packages, customize them, uh, easily find a potential target and, and you know, launch campaigns, so it's just too easy. And this one's been around for a while, looking at some of the documentation since 2019 first observed, and then obviously we continue to see it even in 2023 in the fall here, it continues to be uh, a viruses or malware that's just not going away. They said here that approximately $91 million of ransom has been paid to Lockbit since it was first observed in the U.S. in 2020. That's kind of interesting. 1,700 attacks in the U.S. since 2020. And those are the ones that are being reported, too, as we talked right. about in the past. How many are going unreported, uh, you know, either to protect re- reputation or for whatever reason are not disclosed, ransoms just paid? That's what That's what we know about. That's right. That's right. Definitely continues to see other attacks, too. We had a note from FBI and CISA about the Scattered Spider, which is a group that targets large companies in their IT help desk. We saw that most notably recently in MGM hack as well. Yeah, and that was also the threat vector for Okta. Someone impersonating a help desk agent, getting elevated access and... And going through that route, so it's uh, it's just a common 
approach. The other one that came up that we talked about briefly before the episode kicked off was booking.com. Another breach here recently, I think this one in the past week or so, but again, it, w- it started through phishing. Someone went through, it was, it was pretty complex and interesting the way they did it. People are, are creative. These attackers are creative. And, and in this case, uh, someone supposedly uh, claimed to be a uh, a customer, you know, reached out to booking.com, got some information from them. Uh, then they turned around and pretended to be a representative for the help desk from booking.com and, and reached out to hotels that had customers' um, information. It, it was fairly uh, sophisticated, but they ended up with the capability to get customers' names that had booked. At, uh, you know, they scraped this from booking.com and, and uh, created a fake portal, pretended to be a representative of booking, knew the hotel that they were registered at and sent a message that said, you know, we need you to update your credit card information. It didn't come through last time. And so they reached out directly to users and were able to steal a number of credit cards. You know, not quite the magnitude of some of these other breaches like the casinos that we're hearing about and so on. It wasn't just a $80 million loss on a you know for a bad weekend for these casinos but very creative and and plenty of people impacted yeah and some things to think about make sure those urls that you're clicking on are going to a domain that's validated it says booking or something similar to booking maybe even with zeros i don't know if that domain is taken something like that that could be a way that they could mislead you in thinking, okay, this is the payment system for booking.com. If it says an urgent request, highly unlikely that you're going to send an urgent request. And if you have a question, just go onto the booking app or even any website app that you know is safe and just log on, see if there's any messages on the vendor website instead of following a link. And if you have questions, you can always just give them a call or use the online chat service. Most of these vendors have seen a lot of it with Amazon too. People saying, hey, click your package or USPS or UPS saying you have a package delivery. And it around this time of year too with Black Friday coming up, we're ordering a lot of stuff. Be really vigilant and make sure you're staying aware of any type of package delivery URLs and texts or emails. Definitely a good reminder. And at this point, I think, it's it's gotten to the point that so many of us are desensitized to warning messages on potentially harmful URLs or hey the security certificate is invalid for a given site and and many times people just you know, haphazardly click past that and and continue on and you're even given a warning it's uh, it's very convenient which kind of segues into whose responsibility is these the attacks and breaches and we want to do now is talk about cyber insurance and how what's the changing landscape with cyber insurance so what really piqued my interest uh, last week was an article that was shared around linkedin and and i did a little bit of research uh, multiple avenues reporting it so it's not uh, i'm confident it there's probably legs to it but the plan from several cyber insurance companies 
is to have their own internal auditors that they assign to potentially insurable organizations to do auditing on their behalf rather than be confident in responses to questionnaires or surveys around how an environment is set up, what provisions are in place, et cetera. Uh, you know, not every company has some sort of uh, third party that's come in and provided any sort of uh, qualified audit response, but insurance companies are beginning to consider offering their own auditors or including their own auditors as a requirement to gain cyber insurance or, or, as proof of insurability for potential clients. We're seeing that a lot. It says here that cyber insurance premiums have increased by 50% in the last year. So it makes sense that they're going to try to check themselves and other companies before just insuring you and issuing you a blanket policy. I find it interesting too, a lot of other organizations are doing the same thing. We have the CMMC program now that they're actually making sure that you don't just say you're uh, secure, you're actually getting audited. We have the SEC, now that you're going to have to actually have these cybersecurity requirements in place. We have the healthcare system, the FDA as well, saying that there's got to be cybersecurity requirements in place. Everyone at once is saying trust but verify it. Yeah, yeah. I, I would just add to that, you know, it's a rapidly growing industry. Uh, audit is not an avenue that is up everyone's alley, but there's going to be a lot of jobs coming available uh, on the audit side. If, there's already plenty. If you go out and search you know, CISA um, for certified information security auditor, uh, there's a huge demand for that. It's only going to get worse. There's going to be a lack of, of people that are capable of doing that. It, it, you're right. The landscape is changing. There's a lot more requirements around it. It used to be that, you know, obviously, as you mentioned, you had PCI, you had some federal regulations, uh, Sarbanes-Oxley in certain circumstances required audits and, and PCI for, for credit card processing and so on. FDA has uh, an extensive list of aud audits. DOD has audits that they require for, for vendors. But all in all, most organizations didn't necessarily need to have audit. It was either something the government required for a particular industry or a sales tool in some circumstances for uh, resellers. So in order to demonstrate to a potential partner that they were prepared, they provide a SOC 2 or, or some other uh, relevant ISO audit, you know, and, and those type things had some value. Now it's really escalating. It's ramping up. It, That's I very think true. it's just going to become common that, and not that it's a bad idea, but, but it's one more thing that, that organizations really need to start thinking about. You need to have an internal audit program. You need to have somebody that's aware of, of how a good program is run, uh, understand governance, risk, cybersecurity, and it's a, uh, be prepared yourself because that's going to make conversations with a cyber insurer or, you know, potential partner or vendor much easier. So internal audit is going to grow massively. Prepare to answer those self-assessment questionnaires as honestly as you can. 
because if there ever is a breach, well, that cyber policy is probably worthless if they can catch you on one of those assessment questionnaires and it's not accurate. So yeah. those are really important. I actually saw that a cyber insurance company that I'm familiar with was actually requesting companies to install or upload information to a website vulnerability monitoring platform where they would continuously monitor your websites. And as soon as a threat was detected in real time, they'd start to send alerts. If you didn't fix that alert at a certain time, they would question your cyber insurance or ask for a premium update. It's kind of like getting a ticket for speeding. There's yeah. starting to be some consequences and they're getting very detailed and specific on how they're enforcing it. Yeah, it's strange just how the insurance industry as a whole morphs. I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people have seen some of these uh, companies that have uh, a discount if you are willing to you know, install some sort of, uh, it used to be that you had to put uh, like code on the code reader on the ODB uh, appliance, you could put a, a chip in there and it would monitor how quickly you accelerated, how often you went above a certain speed. And and then mm -hmm. that would upload to insurance companies. And if you didn't speed and and didn't uh, slam on your brakes too often and so on, your rates might be a little bit lower than somebody who did. Uh, now they're even including that in uh, apps on people's phones, from what I understand. You know, it's a, a, a new mechanism that they can you know, have. Yeah, I've got it on my phone right here, the, the USAA app. Just it tracks like if I view my by like checking my phone while I'm driving, it docks me. <laughs> so I've got to not do that as much, which is a good thing. But yeah, yeah, I think I'll just pay the extra. And yeah, it's like ten percent. Go five miles over the number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving's coming up. We'll start with what suite of tools or particular uh, tool solution, et cetera, are you thankful for right now? Well, I'm really thankful for, and this might sound like I've bought into the dark side, but I'm really thankful for the Microsoft Defender suite of tools. I saw now they've got the Microsoft Copilot coming out. I'm really excited about that. So have more artificial intelligence in the Defender suite of tools. So that's what I'm thankful for. What I'm about excited you? about Copilot, but I just like <laughs> my contempt for Microsoft business approach is not well hidden, but it's a necessary evil. Every organization has some level. We have a lot where I am. I know it's just common, but I really wanted to get excited and, and know more about Copilot. And I can't even really get pricing on it or in any insight into how's it going to work long term. Um, yes. The other thing interesting about Copilot, and again, I'm excited about it. I have a machine with Windows 11, and I saw the Copilot like you know, pre-launch pop up. But what they started to do is like anything AI slash security related is going to be branded as Copilot. It seems yeah. so. That's not going to be confusing at all, right? <laughs> I mean that. So and we'll change the name too. I'm sure. Sure. Yeah. That said, I agree with yeah. you. Defender has. Uh, was when I first heard Microsoft Defender, I was just like, oh, come on. It, yeah. And it's actually a really good solution, especially for, uh, you know, a home user, I think. It, it definitely has mm -hmm. capabilities in the business environment. But but one thing that most end users 
go and buy a new system or laptop or whatever, and they don't really think that much about antivirus, and they used to throw, you know, McAfee or Symantec or you, know, you name it onto these devices with a 90-day trial, and, and then, you know, there's another uh, a phishing scam where they come back yeah. and you're getting emails, you're Norton. Uh, subscription expired, you know, click here to pass the extra $375. Or if you don't want to pay the $375, that's already been charged to your credit card, you know, call us. And then they're, you know, they <laughs> weaponize it. So Defender being like native free on a home user device is really awesome. That's great. It's something to be thankful for. I would say I'm thankful for anything that promotes end user awareness. And one thing I've gotten really excited about lately on the tool side is uh, there's a number of companies that do it. I don't want to like slight anybody, but uh, Abnormal Security and Egress are two companies that come to mind. But there's some really great uh, advancements around phishing protection and uh, the capabilities in uh, you know, email protection. So you know, the philosophy has kind of shifted from just having the you know, banner that says this email originated outside your organization, be careful, who now uh, there are tools that are not that cost prohibitive. Some of them are very reasonably priced that you can snap into your existing suite of solutions and the banners become dynamic. So it applies logic and intelligence and algorithms and AI and you name it to these and says, oh, well, this came from an external sender. That's pretty obvious. Um, you know, this looks like it's a phishing email. You can click on that banner and it tells you why. You don't just have to take its word for it that it's it's potential phishing. It'll tell you, oh, you know, they're asking for financial information or we can pick up that there's a sense of urgency around this request. It comes from someone that you've never had conversation with before and so on. And that's a really exciting thing because so often I think there are a lot of users that that might see a warning and and not understand why they got it and just think, oh, this, you know, here we go again. I see this every time, every day I'm getting uh, yep. this originated outside the organization. But when you have the capability to click on it and really understand, well, here are the four reasons that, that we think this is dangerous. And then if it gets uh, classified as such, it also gives warnings when someone tries to, to reply to that or open links in it, you know. We think that this is phishing. Are you sure? And and can proactively uh, alert security team or or uh, you know, create a log just so you know exactly the scenario, what happened, and, and maybe provide additional education. So that's something that I, I've been really excited about and seen a lot lately, and I think is uh, is something to be thankful for. That is definitely something to be thankful for. On a more personal note, what are your Thanksgiving plans? Yeah, so uh, this year went to some in-laws. Uh, my brother-in-law and his family are, are hosting uh, in the Charlotte area, so it's going to be pretty pretty easy for us. You know, we'll just bring along some side dishes and, and uh, watch football and get a little fatter than I already am. What about you? Yeah, just uh, actually do some in-laws at uh, locally here in Charlotte. So be a fun Thanksgiving. Have big turkey probably, so be fun. Well. Thanks, everyone, for coming out to today's edition of the Cybersecurity Podcast. And thanks for listening. Continue to give us feedback and stay cyber safe out there. Thanks, all, and have a great holiday.